How can a human brain think about apples, birds, and cars? How can we talk about centaurs, Santa Claus, and Shangri-La when those things don't even exist? If your idea of a dog is a dachshund and my idea of a dog is a husky, are we really talking about the same thing? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you via the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today we're thinking about reference, specifically an opinionated theory of reference by our dear departed friend and longtime Philosophy Talk host, Ken Taylor. Just hours before he passed away in December 2019, Ken announced on his Facebook page that he'd finished a book called Referring to the World. Later in the show, we'll be talking to Robin Jeshin from the University of Southern California, who worked with a group of Ken's friends and colleagues to turn that book into reality. You know, it's a great book, Rhea. And one of the things I love about it is how cool and mysterious it turns out to be that we can refer to objects outside our minds. Mysterious? Why is that mysterious? Look, my coffee cup is sitting right here in front of me. I point to it and say, here's my coffee cup. Bam, I just referred to an object outside my own mind. You know, what's the big deal? I think it is a big deal. Uh, plus, it, it's not just that you've managed to refer to your coffee cup, which I think is already pretty awesome. It's that our listeners are now thinking about your coffee cup too, even though they've never seen it, they've never interacted with it, they've never even heard about it before. You can reach across space and time with the power of ideas. Isn't that amazing? Oh, of course my coffee cup can have effects that reach across space and time. I mean, it can leave a ring on the table that'll last for years. Ooh, and maybe someday steam rising from my coffee will cause a butterfly to flap its wings and set off an avalanche halfway <laughs> around the world. So why can't it also enter someone else's mind? I mean, I still don't see what the big mystery is. I, I don't know. I mean, entering a mind versus leaving a stain, there, there's a two completely different kinds of effect. It's one thing for a coffee cup to affect my head, like if it, if it fell off a shelf and, and bonked me on the noggin, but it's a totally different thing for a coffee cup to affect my mind. But your mind is just as much a part of the world as your head is. Sure, but I can refer to things that will never affect either of them. Yeah, like what? Well, I don't know, like, like the first flower that will bloom in the 23rd century. I'll never be affected by that flower. I'll die before it even comes into existence. But I can think about it. I can even think about things that will never exist, like unicorns, comprehensible French theorists, the abominable snowman. Well, that's a totally different kind of thought process. When we think about stuff that doesn't exist, that's not at all like responding to something real that you can see and taste and touch. Really? I'm not convinced the two types of thinking are really that different. I mean, I mean, suppose you're an explorer and you're you, you see some kind of shadowy figure in the undergrowth, and you're wondering, is that a real animal or is it just a figment of your imagination? Either way, thinking about it kind of feels the same. You really think there's no difference between paying attention to the world around you and daydreaming about stuff that doesn't exist? Well, I mean, there are some differences. Like, if you think someone's a magician and that person is David Copperfield, then your thoughts are matching up with the real world. Whereas, I guess, if the person you're thinking about is Merlin, your thoughts are not matching up with the real They're matching up with a story, but not a true story. So, yeah, okay, that's a kind of difference. But either way... 
it's the same idea. So-and-so is a magician. And either way, having the thought feels exactly the same. But if it feels the same to be having a true thought as it does to be hallucinating, how do we know what's real? How do we even get the concept of reality? Aren't we all just trapped inside our own heads forever? Ken actually had a lot to say about that in his book. If only he were here to talk about it with us today. Well, I know that Robin will do a great job of explaining it. I agree, and I'm super looking forward to our conversation. In the meantime, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to learn more about Ken from the people in his life. She files this report. Ken Taylor first met Claire Yoshida back in 1977 at the University of Chicago. He was dating her roommate. And that sounds like it must be a wonderful, you know, funny story, but it's not that funny. They, they dated briefly, and he used to hang out in our apartment. And we became friends, which is a good way for a relationship to start. Back then, Ken was shy, and Claire was in library school. We have a memory of staying up all night one night working together on um, a logic problem. <laughs> so, you know, major geeks. They married five years after they met. Ken was born in Sandusky, Ohio. Even as a kid, he wanted to do everything and know everything. He wrestled, he played the trombone, the violin, and was in drama club. His dad worked for Ford and his mom was a nurse. But his parents loved him and kind of just let him, let him be him. So that's how you grew up to be a philosopher. In 1995, he joined the philosophy department at Stanford. His son, Kiyoshi, is now 24 years old. He says his dad was like Uncle Phil from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You know, like big, boisterous, you know, large presence. That's how I describe him, a gentle giant. A gentle giant with infinite curiosity. The only thing Ken never seemed to question was his doomed loyalty to Cleveland sports teams. Kiyoshi remembers his dad driving him to his baseball games, and they'd start to play what they called the why game. They'd pick any topic and see how long they could question it. So, you know, it start from why is the sky blue, and it would end on, you know, well, this is why tractors run the way they do. You know, but it's just going through all the logical steps, you know, deducing certain things like that. So the why game is like whatever you ask, Whatever you answer, there's always a, another question. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you. Philosophy Talk was like Ken's second child. Kiyoshi and his mom would practice reading scripts for the show with him. We'd read it and he'd be like, no, you got to read it more like John, man. I'm like, I'm not John. I'm like, I'm not, I, that's not how I read it, you know. He loved to debate in the philosophical sense. It was both so into the conversation that we kind of just kept shouting over each other. <laughs> Anna Sarah Malmgren was Ken's colleague at Stanford and his friend. She says he loved thinking about new ideas like they were new toys. She remembers one of their last conversations. It was about uh, what a man is. And I kept telling Ken that he didn't know what a man was, which of course he <laughs> thought was very funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now he was, he was going to write something about that. Ken died in December of 2019, before the pandemic, before George Floyd was murdered by police in Minneapolis. Kiyoshi and his mom, Claire, think a lot about what Ken would think. 
After his dad died, Kiyoshi founded a group in his hometown of Los Altos called Justice Vanguard. He wanted to continue raising awareness and hosting events around racial justice. Raising money for education so we can have more Ken Taylors in the world. When you spend your life wanting to do everything, like the Ken Taylors of the world, there's a lot you don't get to finish. We just never had enough time for everything that he wanted to do. Except for us. Always had time for us. We did. That's true. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.